You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Megan Turner. when they set the the podium this high. Um, I was shocked first service whenever they set it down beside him. I was like, am I that much shorter than he is? Um, Good morning. Happy fourth weekend. I'm excited about being here. Y'all have plans for the fourth? Yes? No? Do y'all's plans include fireworks? Yes. So fireworks are actually a source of contention at the Turner household. Yes, because I don't know about your husbands or boyfriends or you men in the room, but my husband, it's one of those things that, like, he immediately reverts back to a 13-year-old boy. Like, all common sense goes out of the window when the fireworks come out. And so it gives me incredible anxiety the way. And so he, what he calls decreed and declared um, a few Fourth of Julys ago that he is going to do fireworks and I can just go in the house. So I hang out in the house, but... I did have a video. This isn't exactly what our house looked like at 4th of July, but I feel like it's kind of close whenever, um, whenever Luke's plays. So notice that it's all the men, right? All the women are watching. And the, you can't hear, but the woman that grabs the baby right here, she immediately says, who did that? After that would be this. Maybe it's just a Roman candle. Those don't hurt anybody. <laughs> um, no, but have fun and stay safe. It's a fun week to celebrate. Um, I want to talk to you this, this morning. You know, sometimes I feel like the Lord gives us messages and um, it's just something that he wants to share. It's something on his heart. And um, then I feel like there are sometimes where I feel like he gives a message and I'm preaching to myself and you're just going to hear it. So this morning I'm preaching to myself and, um, and, and you get to hear. So hopefully it's, it ministers to you guys as well. Um, I want to start with talking to you about, about worth or value, how much something is worth and how much you think you're worth, how much you value yourself. Um, for example, like in this heat, your air conditioner is very valuable. Our air conditioner is out. And yesterday was the third day. And so the first day, it was like, oh, this is tolerable. And then the second day, as it got more warm and more warm, I mean, it is, it is really hot. So like when I get my air back, I'm going to value it at a different level um, than I am right now. Um, but if you take, for example, like a penny, a penny doesn't have a lot of value. And actually, in 1995, they decided to print some more pennies. There was even a debate if they were going to print anymore because it actually cost a penny and a half to print a one-cent penny. And so there was kind of some debate, should we just do away with a penny? Most people don't even pick up a penny anymore. Like if you see a penny, you're not going to get it, especially if it's uh, in the gutter, in the sand, in the dirt, if it's in my cup holder with whatever slimy other stuff is in there, you know, it's stuck. There's a few that I literally can't, like, get out, um, especially in the crack of the seat. So they had this debate, but then it came back to, that a penny tax is a lot of money when it, you add up that there's a, 
a penny to every dollar. So then the next option would be a nickel. And everybody said, amen, let's keep the penny tax and not go to a nickel out of every dollar. So they did. But when they printed these in 1995, this huge batch, it was up in Pennsylvania, there was a whole, like, pile of them that the in God we trust part printed blurry but they had already sent them out and so this penny that was only worth a one cent now if you can find a penny that has a blurry in God we trust it's worth something like actually there was a great debate in the office after first service of how much it was worth because um, it's like 2.5 million percent more than what it was a originally worth, which I think we, it, it comes up to $25,000 if you can find it. So don't look now. Wait and look at your pennies when, when you get out of service. Um, but what's interesting is those pennies could be everywhere. I mean, you could have one sitting in your car. There could be one in my cup holder right now glued to the bottom that I, that I sip my Diet Coke on. But it doesn't really matter the worth or the value unless the person has it and finds it that understands the value that it has. And I think that that's, that's true for all of us because I think we don't really recognize our worth and our value. And hang with me because even if you're a really confident person, I think that there is more worth and more value than you give yourself credit for. Um, because your worth isn't necessarily the person that makes something. So if something, somebody makes something, they can oftentimes think that it's way more valuable, you know, than it really is because you put your hard work into it. So the person that made it doesn't determine the worth. The person that, or what it is, the person that's selling it doesn't d determine the worth. So like you might have something and think it's a lot of worth, a lot of, worth a lot of money. You put a really high price tag on it. It doesn't really matter how much you think that you can sell it for. Really, the worth is determined by the person that's going to purchase it. How much someone is willing to pay, they get to determine how much it's worth. And so for you and I, the worth of your life, I want you to just pause. I want you to think about this. The value on your head, the God of the universe, the creator of everything said that you were worth the life of his one and only son. That's your purchase price. That's how valuable and how worthy you are. Recently, Luke decided he loves to fish. Baby, I feel like I'm just louding you out in this service. He decided he would love to fish. And so he needed a fishing boat because I guess some boats are for fishing and some boats are not, I guess. That's what I was told, like some black shoes are for certain outfits and other black shoes are for other. So he had to have a certain fishing boat. So he stalked everybody on Facebook for months that was selling a fishing boat, okay? So finally he finds someone selling just the right fishing boat. So he leaves. He goes and buys it. He is giddy on the way back home. He's calling me. He's like, babe, it's perfect. You're going to love it. It's got a name. It's called the Bass Assassin. He was like, and it's everything. So he pulls up in the driveway, and this is what he pulls up with. And he, how much did we get this boat for? $200. He felt like that was worth two. Now, so this week he's like, babe. Me and Chris are going to put the bass assassin in the water. I was like, okay. He's back in the house in 15 minutes. He's like, it doesn't float. <laughs> He's like, but it will. It just doesn't have the boat. The plug wasn't big enough. 
when I put the plug in, I could see all around it. So I think water is going to fill the boat. So this week, hopefully the bass assassin will make it to the, um, to the water. But the worth was in the purchaser. I can tell he's, def- he's, he's defending your boat purchase right now to Dave. It's a good buy. It's a good buy. It's a good, yeah, but one day. But the purchase price, what I, I say all that to say, the purchase price of you Even if it would have only been you, God felt like the worth and the value, and I feel like I can hear him like calling, calling the angels. And he's like, you ought to see them. I'm going to give my whole life for them. Like they mean that much. Yeah, they're going to blow it over and over and over again. But who cares? I'm going to die for them because they are that valuable. And the thing is, if God, if you will allow God to take you, And to use you, to put you in his pocket, there will be some point where God says, I'm going to take all of their trials, all of their tribulations, all that they've been through, and I'm going to pull them out, and I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them because they are worth that. If you take a look at Moses and the scripture, Moses, God used Moses in really big ways. Moses was set apart from the beginning. Moses was born an Israelite in the Egyptian town. And so he was set into a river. He was raised by a pharaoh so that he was special. I mean, all of the other Israelites were slaves. So from the beginning, from birth, God said there's going to be something. And he knew this. Moses knew this. One day he's out watching all of the workers because all the Israelites, they were slaves. All of God's people were slaves. And he watched an Egyptian beat one of the Israelite people. And he was so angered by this that he killed the Egyptian that was doing the beating. And because of that, he was sent out to the desert for 40 years. I want you to imagine with me what that had to feel like. Because what I can imagine Moses probably felt like was the in God we trust is really blurry. That my value, my worth, I thought what I was going to be used for, I'm not. And now here I sit covered in the sand and in the muck and out in the middle of nowhere, used for absolutely nothing. But there was a time after 40 years when God said, I'm going to pull you out of my pocket. You've stayed, you've remained there, and now I'm going to use you. And I'm going to take everything you've been through, and I'm going to take the 2.5 million people that are my chosen people, and I'm going to use you, Moses, to deliver all of them out of that slavery. There's a way that they used to make coins in scripture and they would take a a piece of the metal, but then they would mix it with mud and with clay and they would pile it together and that would make the stone. That would make the coin. But here's what happens is as it passes from person to person. So I purchase something and I give it to Luke and then Luke purchases something and he gives it to Dave and Dave purchases something and he gives it to Ryan. Now, as it's handled more and more, then the clay and the dirt begins to break off. And so the weight and the value of the coin just by being handled so much loses its worth. And that's what happens to us so often is we have been handled in life from person to person and situation to situation that we have now deemed our worth because of the way that other people have handled us, not the way that God sees our worth. And here's the key. That's not the message. The message is that's the enemy's plan for your life. Because if he can keep you there 
And he can keep you not realizing how valuable and how worthy you are to God Almighty. Then that's the way you pray. Because if you ever truly were awakened to the fact that God of the universe gave his life for you, that's his value for you, then the way you would approach God's throne room and the way you would approach him with prayers would be bold and it would be confident and you would go before him with the greatest things you could ever ask for. So the enemy has this whole ploy to keep us not knowing how worthy we are to God so that he keeps our prayers being so simple. So small-minded. Um, one of the <clears throat> old stories, there's a time in Scripture between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they kind of call it the dark years. All the prophets had died, so they hadn't heard God speaking. Jesus hadn't come yet. So it was just a dry period for people in the, in the spiritual world. And there was a drought. This is the generation before Jesus. There was a drought that came, and it was horrific in that side of the world. And so much so that people were really genuinely scared that they were going to lose their life. And so what they did was they went, there was this old sage, and he, they asked him, they said, is there any way that you can pray and ask your God for rain? And so he said, his name is Honi. He says, now this is a historical story. This is not me making up, this is a historical story. His name is Honi. What Honi did was he says, yes, I will pray to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted to make sure that everyone knew that he was going to pray to that God, not all of the other gods, not all of the Egyptian gods, not all of them, but he was going to pray to that God, the one and only God. So he takes a rod, a staff, it was six feet long, and he draws a circle all the way around him, and he stands in the middle of the circle. Well, when he does this, history tells us that thousands of people gathered to watch. I mean, at this point, they are desperate. They are truly desperate thinking that their people, their family, their loved ones, their children are going to die. And Honey stands in the middle of the circle, in the middle of a drought, with thousands of people watching him, and he prays this prayer. I swear. Oh, God, upon your children. And per history, it immediately begins to rain. Everybody is shocked. They're looking up at the heavens. Their mouth, are, they cannot believe that they have had this long of a drought. And just like that, that God would cause it to rain. So everyone is in awe, except for Honey. So he remains in the circle. He keeps his head down and he puts his hands up. And he prays a second prayer. And the second prayer is this. Not for such a rain have I prayed, but for a rain that will fill every valley, every cistern, every cavern, O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then at this point, it begins a torrential downpour. It is raining so hard, you can't see. It's like the rain where you can't see the car in front of you, you know, and the people put their hazards on and pull over. It's pouring rain. And so people at this, in this area of, of the world, flash flooding is a serious problem. So it's raining so hard that people begin to, to go up to the Temple Mount to get away from the valleys because they realize this is so much rain, we're going to have a flood. So Honey prays a third time in the middle of the circle. He says, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for the rain of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. And for days it rained the perfect amount of rain until all of the land was saturated and it was moist. All of the cisterns were full. All of the caverns were full. The valleys were full. And that marked a point in history that the drought ended and lives were saved. Because one man was willing to circle a prayer 
to stand in the middle of it and to pray boldly. And here's what I believe. I believe that because of the value that we have in Jesus, if he's willing to give his life for you, and if you have enough trust in him that you're willing to trust your entire eternity, then are you circling big enough prayers? Would you draw a circle in the middle of a drought in front of thousands of people and say to God, I'm not moving from this spot until you make it rain? I believe that oftentimes we get caught and we have Jesus pictured as our Savior. So he's the one that saves us. And we come to him, I need your help with this. I need your help. I need you to fix this. I need you to save that. And he is that. But I think in addition to being our Savior, he wants to be the Lord of our life. And when he's the Lord of your life, now things are happening in your life that aren't happening in everybody else's life. So that the, that the miracles are happening and you can call rain down and with your mouth, Scripture says, you can move mountains. And that people look at your life and go, I don't, there's all these other gods, but that God, that God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I need that God in my life because what your life looks like. God is looking for someone to be that bold. Whenever you read in scripture and you look at the story of the children of Israel that Moses led out from captivity, you know, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And then everybody, it says they were, God was taking them to a promised land, out of slavery into a promised land. But because they had so much doubt and they didn't believe, they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. So finally it comes time. Everybody has died off except for two people. Two people are left. Caleb and Joshua are left. And they're going to lead these people into the promised land. They get to Jericho, which is a city. And they get to, they're heading to their destination. And there is this city that has got walls, Scripture says, that are 60 feet high. 60 feet. Now in this room, how tall did we determine these? these this right here is like 21, 22 feet. So Imagine a 60-foot high wall. The depth of the, the width of the wall was 40 feet. That's like from me all the way to that sound booth. Scripture says that they would race chariots on top of the wall. And so now they get before this wall, and they're like, well, what now what are we going to do? And this is what God says. Six days. For six days, I want you to circle. Here we go with the prayer circle. I want you to circle these walls. And on the seventh day, I want you to go six times. And on the seventh time, I want you to praise. I want you to yell and scream and holler and blow the trumpets and blow. And, I, and at this point, they do this. The walls completely fall down. Scripture actually says that the walls fell flat. Now, if you would have asked an engineer, he would have said, maybe with a few heavy pieces of machinery, we might could get through that gate. But it nev they never would have told you that you could have made those walls fall flat. God wants you to circle the impossible. And he wants you to circle it every single day. What are you believing for that you feel like is too big? Are your prayers as big as your God is? What about the seat sitting next to you? What about the person that you think would never in a million years give their life to Christ? What about the last person you ever thought would come to church? What about the person that you have written off because they, you know they have an addiction and they will never be clean? Or anger or depression? Or what about the marriage? And there is a, there is a, something has happened, someone's been violated, and you have said and you have accepted the lie, we will never be what we used to be. 
God is looking for you to circle those big, circle the chair next to you, write a name, and every day you circle it. Imagine the people that made fun of, those pe- of the children of Israel circling those walls of Jericho. I imagine that they thought that they looked like complete idiots walking around that wall. But what do you think when it fell on the sixth day? I bet there wasn't a person inside Jericho that didn't think, I want that God to be my God. People are desperately looking for hope. And you have the answer. And not only do you have the answer, but you are his cherished, most valuable thing. He wants to do it for you. He wants to do so much more than just save you. Scripture actually tells us this in Ephesians 3.20. I am persuaded that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask for or think. They're above everything you could possibly ask for, God is able to do. Here's an interesting fact about the walls of Jericho. Jericho is the lowest place on earth. So geographically, it is the lowest place on earth. So now you have these children of Israel that have gotten to the lowest place on earth. So it's at your lowest place that God says, circle it, circle it. Don't stop circling it. Watch what I can do. Watch how flat I can make these walls. Here's another interesting fact. The people that had been pulled out of slavery, all of those people had died off in their wilderness except for two. So now the whole group of people that are heading to Jericho have never seen a city. They've never seen a wall. They've never seen a brick. They have lived their whole life in tents. So now imagine the first wall or city you see is 60 feet high at your lowest place on earth. Talk about feeling like the impossible is in front of you. The lowest place, the tallest wall, you've never seen that. And God says, all you got to do is circle it and let let me be me and you be you. You be who you are, which is my most valuable possession. Let me be the Lord of your life. Let me show off in your life. How about this? Your prayers are your prophecy for your life. What you pray is what you're prophesying for your future. What is prophecy? It's just speaking into existence what will be. I say I'm preaching this message to me because this is where God, I watched as I went on this trip with these teenagers, and I watched God do exceedingly above and beyond anything that I thought he could do in some of their lives. And I, I, my prayer was, God, don't, please don't ever let my, my prayers be what holds you back from being you. And so Luke and I, when we were working on this message, just deciding, I'm going to circle up, I've got to level up my praying. I've got to level up my, you know that 250 of you guys, last week we, we made a call. And I said, we have so many teens that have nobody that's willing to pray for them. Can I get, can I, for one year, from now until we go to forward, can I get a list of names that say that you will pray for these teens every day? My goal was to get 100 people. 100 people to commit to pray for the next generation for 365 days. 250 of you signed up. What does it look like when 250 people circle the next generation of youth in a church every single day? I feel like walls fall. I feel like what people say of this next generation, it can't be. That cannot stand against your prayers for God Almighty because I know he wants to show up in our next generation. I know without a shadow of a doubt he does. In scripture, there are so many stories that he says. One of of the ones that is, is in 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7, and listen to this. One day a group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet is too small. Let's go down the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to all meet. All right, he told him, go ahead. Well, they said, please come with us. 
<clears throat> I will, he says. So he went with them. They arrived at the Jordan. They began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried. It was a borrowed axe. Now, I don't know about you, but I think when men borrow tools and they break it, that's still a big deal today, right? Like you don't borrow and break another man's tool. So it was back then too. So he says, where did it fall? The man of God asked. He showed him the place and Elijah cut a stick. He cut a stick. He threw it in the water at that spot and the ax had floated to the surface. Grab it, Elijah said, and he grabbed it out of the water. God is looking for people. Do you know that there was a time where Joshua was leading his army and they were battling and he said, you know what, we can't battle in the dark. We're outnumbered. We can't battle in the dark. So he says to the sun, sun stand still. And history records that there is a day in that time that for 24 hours, the sun didn't move and it didn't set. God is looking for people that are bold enough, that understand their worth and the value that they walk into the throne room and in with their prayers and they say, hey, God, I need you to split that Red Sea. I need you to bring down those walls. I need you to make the ack heads float. And I need you to make the sun stand still. And he's waiting to do it. And this is what else. He says that we will see in our life far greater things that were done then. All we have to do, it's time for us to start circling up and praying and believing for all of the great things that you want. Your prayers are your prophecy. Your, what are you prophesying for your children? I, some of you in here, you need to circle your future mate. And you need to believe. And every day, you need to believe and you need to speak. This is what I told the teens. I got on the boys' bus. A girl, a really pretty single girl spoke one morning. And she did a great job. And I got on the boys' bus and I said, listen to me. Let's make an agreement right now. We don't date and we don't marry anybody that isn't a beautiful, God-loving Jesus woman. Is that a deal? And they all raised their right hand and they made a deal with me. And then I got on the bus with the girls and I said, listen to me, girls. Did you see that? That you can be a beautiful, God-loving woman that demands respect. And don't, don't, ever, uncircle, don't ever change the standard. Circle it. I, I remember whenever... Dad was, our founding pastor was looking for a church and he knew that God told him between, on the corner of Dorchester and Ashley Phosphate. So he told the real estate agent, this is years and years and years ago. He said, I need a piece of property this size between Dorchester and Ashley Phosphate within a five mile radius at this price. And there was three real estate agents and they were like, that's impossible, Mike, that's not gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. And now here we sit. And now here we sit. Luke and I, we took a group of teens to, on a missions trip, and there was one boy, he was 16 years old, his name was Eric. And um, we went to a nursing home. It was actually one of the most moving things I've done on a missions trip. You do lots of kids' work. Um, but my, my passion, I love teenagers, and I love old people. I love, love old people. I always say if I wasn't in ministry, I would definitely work at a nursing home. Um, so we were at a nursing home, and it was a nursing home for people that were left that their family didn't come see. So they were, and it was rough, a, a rough facility. And the light in their faces of watching these teens engage with them that they hadn't seen their kids or their grandkids in years, it was just, it was one of the most priceless things I've been a part of. And to watch our teens love on them and, and sing for them and just engage with them. And there was one older gentleman that was sitting in the corner and he wasn't engaging with anything. He was very you couldn't tell if he was mad or what was happening. So we asked the lady, well, actually when Eric asked the lady, what's wrong with that, with that guy? And he said, well, he's blind. 
And before Luke and I could get to him, Eric said, let's go pray for him. He's going to get his vision today. And I was like, Ugh, oh, man, oh, man. And me and Luke were like, oh, man, I don't want Eric to be disappointed today. And I want you to know that that 16-year-old boy walked over to that man, and he laid his hands on his eyes, and he said, in Jesus' name, you can see. And he opened his eyes, and he saw. And I realized my, my doubt could have slowed him down, and I don't ever want to be that. I, I don't ever want to not let God be the Lord that he wants to be. And so I'm, what I'm going to do as we end, um, there's a, a scripture, and it says this. Psalms 32, 7 says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. And then this last line, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I want us to start doing some prayer circling. And I want you to start circling the biggest things that you can ask for. I want you to, I want you to ask God to show off who he is in your life. And scripture, that line, that last line when it says this, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. That's going to be my prayer for your children and for my children and for the lost seats in this room. Because scripture says when you pray over something, you circle it, God circles it. And my prayer is that what you are praying for in circling, scripture says that he will send a host of heavenly angels to surround them. And then over them they sing a song of deliverance. And so maybe it is your marriage. And so this morning I'm going I'm to ask Luke to come up and pray over us. Because what I want to do is I want to circle everything that needs angels to surround it. That you need a song of deliverance sing over that. For some of you, it's relationships. For some of you, it is physical healing. For some of you, you need to circle, listen to me, you need to circle your unbelief. And you've given yourself a lot of guilt because you don't believe the way that you should. And you need to hear God say, that's okay. But you write it down and you circle it and you stand in the middle of the circle and you say, I'm not moving from this spot, God, until you help me with my unbelief. He wants to show you who he is. Some of you need to put in there your church hurt. Some of you have been so burnt by church that opening up and letting yourself become a part of a family, it's just not an option. And you're so guarded. And so I just, I want this morning, if we could pray, baby, if you could pray and just, let's just circle in the palm of your hand, I want you to imagine what, what do you need to circle? How bold, what seed do you need to part? What axe head do you need to float? What sun do you need to stand still? And I want you to start believing for much bigger things. I want you to pray like you are the child of God. I want you to pray like your worth is the value of his life. I mean, what a disappointment for him to have that and to want to do it for you. And our, we're limiting him by not asking. So would you do, do that, baby? Would you pray for them? I'm going to put my bass we... boat in my circle. <laughs> for the bass assassin that's right, right here. That's right, that's right. When we were doing this message, uh, I really felt convicted because both of us realized we got to get better at this as parents and, and as, you know, Church leaders, leaders. And, and that kind of thing. And so this prayer is not just for you guys. It's for us, too. We, we're committing today to get better at this, that our prayers pierce the darkness, not just for protection, not just for forgiveness of, of that kind of God, but a God who is Lord of all. So bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come to you and and yes, we do forget your power. Yes, we do forget our value. But we commit today for boldness in our prayers. We commit today that it is not some jack leg who bought us for $40. It is the king of kings, the creator of the world, gave his most beloved thing for us, which was his son. 
He gave that for us so we would walk in confidence in the situation. He gave that for us so we would speak light over dark places. He gave that for us so we would speak life into our kids, so we would speak life into our mate, so we would speak life into our, in our church. He gave us life. He gave us authority to step in. And, Lord, we agree today. We believe in your power today. We speak with your power. We ask for your anointing. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for your light. And we ask that you show us how to speak life into those situations over our lives. But we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. go really quick I want to show you one video there was a video that is actually a TikTok video and I love just a little practical way to, to, to take something the next step and I thought this girl had a really practical way to do what we're talking about take a look at this really quick before you guys leave. I'm going to teach you how I pray it's changed my life and I hope this will change yours too I have a blank notebook and what I do is I write down my prayers very very specifically I put the date and I circle it every time I pray this prayer I put action behind my prayer as an act of faith categories like clients, my business, things I would need to let go of, the world, my friends, Instagram friends, family, children, my husband, finances, everything. And I also write down when prayers are answered. Hey, and in the back of your card, there's a prayer request card. If you guys want us to be praying for something, you know, we meet in this room every Wednesday at 6.30. And so give that to a guest service member as you're walking out. You guys can stand up. I want to bless you on your way out. I want to bless you with this verse as you go. Ephesians 3.20, I am persuaded that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask for. I bless you this week with the awareness, the realization to ask him for anything Anything that he places on your heart, you are a child of God and may he keep you and bless you and cause his face to shine upon you and he will be gracious unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. See you next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.